Hey everyone, welcome to a very special Thursday edition of Lunch Therapy. I'm your host, unlicensed lunch therapist, Adam Roberts. I'm talking to you now from New Orleans, where we've been vacationing. It's Craig's birthday today, so we're celebrating. And um, we're also here visiting our friends Ryan O'Connell, who was on last week's episode, and his partner Jonathan Parks Ramage, who I invited on today because he is a vegetarian and he's been eating food here in New Orleans and it's a little bit challenging, so I thought it would be fun for him to talk about that. And our audio is not great today because I don't have my microphone with me, so you know, if you're an audiophile, you might not want to listen to this episode. Otherwise, without further ado, here is my talk with Jonathan Parks Ramage. Well, um, Jonathan, I've invited you on today because we are on a trip to New Orleans. You've been here in and out for the past couple months, and you are a vegetarian. Yes. And already on our trip, I mean, it's been funny because our very first night I made a reservation at this place, Grigri, and I kind of glanced at the menu, but I didn't really study it. And there was literally, when we got there, there was literally not one single thing on the menu that a vegetarian could eat. So I was like, well, we have to do a podcast about this and we'll call it a vegetarian in New Orleans. And so (laughs) just in general, how has it been so far being a vegetarian in New Orleans? Um, you know, it, it hasn't been as much of a challenge as I thought it would be. Um, I'm here on and off because my lover is here for work. And so I... Our guest on last week's podcast, Ryan O'Connell, who helped plan all these reservations. Yes, very true. So, um, I have gotten used to it. Um, many, I mean, I will say that there have been certain, like like the classic Creole cooking, I feel like those types of restaurants unfortunately very often are just like, will literally laugh you out of town. Um, Mm -hmm. if you go up and say that you're a vegetarian, which is like so sad. Like, I don't know. I feel like you could make, bring tofu into any sort of classic Creole dish. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel like this is a a, a restaurant that needs to be made in New Orleans, just like classic vegetarian cooking. Um, Anyway, uh, so I I am, I feel like unable to go to certain restaurants, like the restaurant we went to the first night you guys were here. Um, Ryan had raved about it before, but I think we'd never gone because it had meat, which is why I can't believe Ryan just completely recommended (laughs) without even thinking about his beloved. Um, But it's, it's actually, I mean, it's not that hard. Uh, There are enough restaurants that offer at least one option. Or sometimes if you call ahead, you can be like, Mm -hmm. can you guys cook a vegetarian moment, help a girl out? And oftentimes they are willing to do so. Well, it's interesting you brought up the whole Creole of it all, because for me, the tragedy is not necessarily that it's difficult for a vegetarian to survive in New Orleans, but for me, the tragedy is that it's difficult for a vegetarian to get to soak in New Orleans cuisine and get to like eat the, the food that's so unique to here. Um, you know, we just had lunch at Galatoire's, which was its own adventure, because <laughs> we had a waiter who really liked to talk. Uh, and may have murdered somebody. We don't know, but he uh, kind of confessed to it at some point. Um, and we all, they basically brought out like shrimp remoulade and then we have crab maison. And um, what else did we have? I had shrimp etouffee. And then like you were able to order like an artichoke heart with um, hollandaise on it. With That was basically it, right? And like a little sauce. Yeah, it was like, it was like, it was like, um, 
eggs benedict but with an artichoke heart instead of yeah. um an english muffin um yeah. which i never had before which was like sh- uh, chic and exciting um but but yeah i mean it is it's sad that i don't you know get to have mm-hmm. like a cute vegetarian moment well um, i mean it's, it raises a larger question which for me is like at the, at the heart of why I'm not a vegetarian. And to me, it's always that debate between like conscientiousness and experience, because I feel like the more conscientious you are about not even just where your food comes from, but like, how are the people treated at the place where you're going? What are the rules of the country where you're traveling? How are women treated? And, you know, there are just so many things you could start to take on yourself. And, and if you really thought about like everything from like where your clothes come from to you know, you might end up just being in a room in a rocking chair, you know, never leaving. Um, and so for me, like being in somewhere like New Orleans, like if I was to be a vegetarian, I, I would personally would feel like I was missing out on the culture. But do you feel like you're able to imbibe enough of the culture through other means while you're here? Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I feel like I'm still able to eat at many delicious restaurants and have many gorgeous dinners. Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't feel, I guess I never feel like I'm missing out meeting, eating meat. And that's not like a superior, like I'm better than you for not eating meat, even though I am. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) We live um, in a late capitalist era where the horrific, machinations of global industry make it uh, impossible to live a morally uncompromised existence. Mm -hmm. However, within that context, I still think we can make decisions, individual decisions, moral decisions about like eating meat. But I mean, I don't know. It's not to say I'm morally superior to anyone else, but um, I, I would be, I, I guess I just, I don't, I don't miss meat. I've been a vegetarian since I was in third grade. Um, so to me, it's not like I am like yearning for all these meat dishes that I can't have because I, again, don't really have any recent memories of meat to inspire me to essentially forego my vegetarianism. Like I don't feel tempted when I feel, when I see a plate of fried chicken gizzards on a bed of grits. And yet you did try the sauce, we should say. That's true. I I tried the sauce. Brits are vegetarian. And I tried the sauce, which was delicious and had a wild depth of flavor. And I mean, that was a dish you could easily just fry up some vegetarian. uh, You could fry cauliflower in that way. You could fry up tofu in that way. And it could be also delicious. And that was at, so the first night we went to Gris Gris and I ordered, we, I think Ryan ordered actually the chicken gizzard griot, which so far on this trip was my favorite thing that I've eaten because it was so unlike anything I've ever had, where it was like deep fried chicken gizzards, but then it was in the sauce that was made with like a, a really deeply caramelized roux, which is part of the cooking here where, you know, that that's sort of at the base of gumbo and jambalaya not maybe not jambalaya but it's definitely at the base of gumbo and i was certainly in the etouffee i had today where you toast flour with oil slowly like over the course of like an hour until it gets deep and dark and then you make a sauce out of it but to your point yes like you could totally do that with um 
vegetarian stock and make the sauce and like put something in it, which maybe I'll try when I get back to LA. Fried. I love fried cauliflower. Like I yeah. feel like you ever had the, the um, Buffalo cauliflower from Erwan? No, I've never been to Erwan. What? Excuse me? Yeah. Los Angeles, California, and you've never been to Erwan? There's something about it that doesn't appeal to me. It scares me a little bit. It just seems a little oh, it's intimidating. it's terrifying. It's obnoxious. It's filled with models and famous people. And yeah. you're basically held at gunpoint and robbed for all you're worth. Yeah. But the fucking buffalo cauliflower is insanely delicious <laughs> and famous. Um, oh. Anyway, but I feel like if you treated it in a similar way, it could be delicious to have that. Yeah. And chicken gizzards. You could do cauliflower gizzards. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and leaping, leaping gizzards. That, that <laughs> yes, the, the the sauce was incredible, and I I adore grits. Um, so that would be there you go. Chic and sassy. Well, I would say the the meal that we had so far that checked a box for everybody was our dinner last night, where we went to Coquette here in the Garden District, and that really knocked it out of the park. And they were so accommodating on on every level because. The bread service, for example, came, it was like warm sourdough and it came with exo sauce mixed with butter and then ham. But the waitress was very, when we told her you're a vegetarian, she was like, oh, we'll bring you separate butter. We'll bring you, we'll put the ham on the side. So they were very accommodating. Yeah, it was so cute. It just felt like there were like real people back in the kitchen who were like, yeah, we'll we'll do whatever you want. Yeah, But also had what I had for my main, which was... Um, carrot bolognese, mm-hmm. which was with gamelli. How do you say that pasta? Gamelli. Yeah, pasta. Delicious bolognese. It was like a meaty carrot moment. Like it was, mm-hmm. uh, just like sprinkled with fucking cheese and <laughs> heaven. And Ryan, my fucking meat eating bitch of a husband um <laughs> wow, this is getting dark so condescending about my vegetarian journey and how much he always complains about having to go to restaurants that have vegetarian options he ate the carrot bolognese as well which i was shook by and he also enjoyed it so, it looked really good and i had a short rib that was beautiful what i liked about it was that it was like a really not a dainty portion but it was like a it was like a not overwhelming portion, so I didn't feel disgusting afterwards, which you can. I mean, the thing about this trip so far is it's drinking and eating and then just sitting around because it's raining. So, I mean, we actually, at our, we were staying at a really cool hotel. I won't disclose the location yet, but maybe I will in my newsletter. Actually, on I was about to <laughs> one where Ryan's living, but I don't know. Oh, it's, it's fine. No one cares. Um, and uh, there's, this, <laughs> there's, a, there's a secret uh, bar in our hotel that we went to last night. It's only for hotel guests and we had the most incredible drinks. And so while you may or may not be missing out on the meats and seafood dishes here, you're certainly not missing out on the alcoholic beverages, which Ryan, who doesn't drink anymore is. So therefore you get to check that box. Exactly. There's plenty for me to drink here. Yeah. So what, what would you say overall in your time in New Orleans has been your favorite, um, meal here including you know whether whether or not it was with us or not 
Yeah, well, I mean, I also loved our moment at Shia, which I thought was... Oh, yeah, 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 Shia, awesome. that was very good, yeah. We went to Isra- uh, Israeli food, gorgeous pita, delicious hummus. I had the cauliflower hummus. You guys had the fried chicken hummus. Which was pretty amazing. I got to say that it was fried chicken on hummus, but it, the best part was it had this, like, date salsa on top, of, like, chopped dates, which I'm going to try to do that at home because it was so good. But keep going. What did you have? Um... And I mean, I don't know. We just got lots of delicious little plates and I ate until I felt like I was going to die. But the, the true crowning achievement of that dinner was the dessert, which mm. was um, king cake flavored babka. Yes. And it was truly was, delicious. Oh my God. That I still drink. Craig put it perfectly when he said it was like a bougie Cinnabon. Yeah. I mean, I am such a trashy bitch. I will have a non-bougie Cinnabon and feel, yeah. feel fulfilled, feel joy. Um, but this was like a truly next level chic Cinnabon. Um, it had like hot caramel poured all over it, which was pretty remarkable. It was like sticky and gooey and delicious. I mean, that's the thing is, yeah, you can eat all the desserts here that you want. Um, I was just studying the menu. So tonight is Craig's birthday. And we're going to Pesh, which is Donald Link, who owns Koshan, which is, um, you know, the one of the most famous restaurants in uh, where are we? New Orleans. <laughs> this is his seafood restaurant, which a lot of people recommended. But Jonathan, I've just been studying the menu and I'm, I'm a little concerned. I'll call ahead. I'm sure there's something they can do. No, me. no. I mean, I'm looking. I mean, there's a lot of wonderful vegetarian sides. There's Brussels sprouts with chili vinegar. There's Brabant potatoes, brown rice with mushrooms, which you don't eat. Crispy broccoli with pimenton aioli and glazed turnips with satsuma and dill. So it's so a lot of vegetable sides. And then there's fried bread with um, sea salt, which sounds delicious. And Ooh, yeah. there's hush, hush puppies, which is like corn fried cornbread. Oh, so those are all... Yeah, and then the rest of the menu is pretty much all seafood, which I don't know. Oh, Ryan doesn't like seafood, but they have a steak and they have a chicken. So I think we'll all be in okay shape. We'll be fine. I can, I'm also, as in my years of vegetarianism, I've learned to be a flexible diva. (laughs) But Uh, okay, to get get at the core here, I feel like we're, we're kind of skirting around. We kind of danced over it, but. I guess what I'm really trying to accuse you of is it's <laughs> <laughs> like ignoring the, the cultural traditions of New Orleans cuisine. By it's, it's I get what you're saying about the like capitalistic society and like making choices, but don't you feel like it's like going to like the Louvre and skipping the Mona Lisa? I mean, let's interrogate the canon, honey. <laughs> Why not celebrate the Mona Lisa over other artists? In fact, I would You're, argue... I think that's evading. Why do I have to eat meat in order to enjoy cuisine in New Orleans? And why can't I just enjoy the vegetarian cuisine, which is also delicious here? Well, let me, I mean, let me paint, let I, me paint a, por- a picture for you that maybe would encapsulate what I'm talking about. There is a grandmother who's been cooking... Oh, my God. Out of this... <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous. She's been cooking a, a, her shrimp etouffee all day, and she she caught the shrimp herself on a on a fishing boat, and it was her last haul, and she was going to save it for the winter. But now you're coming over for dinner, and she's turned it into an etouffee, which she's 
she's really put her heart and soul into you and you walk through the door and you're like, sorry, we live in a capitalistic society and we all make decisions. Would you not eat it? Well, I mean, but my point is that like everyone's allowed to make their own decisions and like we right. all have to make stands for whatever internal moral compass, whatever. Yeah. Well, I think uh, yeah. to do it. my particular internal moral compass tells me, you know what? One of the things I'm going to do in my life uh, is not eat me but yeah. I mean I'm very happy for her and I'm happy that that brings her joy and I'm not here to take away her joy or judge her for the all the delicious meat this fictional grandmother cooks in her kitchen I'm if that right. brings her joy and I'm also sure there are other things that she does in her life where that bring her some sort of sense of Moral fulfillment. I don't know. But wow, so you're rejecting this grandma. Yes, this is actually wild. I feel like I mean gaslit on your podcast. I thought this was lunch therapy, not lunch conversion therapy. Oh, no. This is my Thursday podcast. This is where I just talk to people about random things. So, yeah, this is not lunch therapy. <laughs> well, you can call it lunch conversion therapy because you're clearly trying to get me to. But I do feel like in the food industry, there is at large, like if you look at Top Chef, for example, the meat is always privileged as the ultimate protein, as the necessary centerpiece for any dish. And again, as a vegetarian, I would challenge that. And mm-hmm. I would say that that does not need to be uh, the centerpiece of all meat. And in fact, doesn't Melissa, is it Melissa? I don't know. Do you remember Melissa from Top Chef? The- yeah, I kind of remember her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, I think she comes back as a judge. I want to say it's Melissa. Um, she centers um, uh, vegetables in her cooking. Right. Um, and I, yes, Melissa King. Love her. She's like so chic and fierce. Oh, yeah, she was great. Like, yeah, I really liked her too. Um, and anyway, um, I I feel like I don't know the the tendency in the the food world uh, to prioritize meat over over everything else as kind mm-hmm. of the only way to have fine dining or the only way I I I don't think there's only one way to do anything and I feel like there are people who make gorgeous vegetarian meals and so well to turn this into a lunch therapy session briefly. One observation I've made about you in talking about this is that I feel like in a lot of areas, like you are very progressive. Like, like I feel like you're not that interested in like maintaining the strictures and the structures of the past, whether it's even in terms of like how you think about gender, how you think about relationships, sexuality. And like, and it makes sense to me that you also think of food that way. Like, you know, it's not, it's the past is the past. And like the way people used to eat is that's fine that, that that's how they did it. But now that we're more aware of factory farming and we're more aware of the injustices that go on uh, in, towards animals, that we we're, it's less important to preserve those traditions as it is to be more conscientious about what we eat, which is I sort of feel like how you feel about lots of different subjects. Yes, no, sure. But I mean, that's not to say that, uh, but I also think it's equally important to honor cultural traditions and culinary history. Like, I feel like that's all very important. I don't think it's about like ignoring the past or pretending it doesn't happen. I think there's huge value in history and cherishing Mm -hmm. history, but also, yes, keeping an open mind in terms of, and also like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not mad at like people who, who have, 
you know, who have very responsible ways of raising cattle or raising mm-hmm. children, um, you know, that doesn't rely on factory farms, which are also like, can be horribly abusive to the people who work there as well. Yeah. I mean, that's another thing to consider, but I mean, regardless of what you're eating, like I'm not a vegan, so I still right. eat, like, I, like, you know, we're, we're all no compromised. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny. You're making me think of when um, a dirt candy opened in New York. I, I'm friends with the chef Amanda Cohn. And when I interviewed her, I think she was in my, I, mean, I know she was in my cookbook. I don't remember. I don't remember if I interviewed her for the book or if this was something else, but she talked about um, sort of like what you were saying about using cauliflower instead of chicken gizzards that when she was researching dirt candy, she permitted herself as a vegetarian to travel the world to like eat meat and eat fish and eat all that stuff, not because she wanted to, but because she wanted to understand those traditions and educate herself about what that was so that she could then transform them into vegetarian entrees that would then, you know, be more conscientious about where the food was coming from. So I feel like that's a neat way. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like for you, maybe what I'm bullying you about is less about your vegetarianism and more about, me projecting onto you my own fascination with gastronomy and like the history of food and like wanting to learn like how to make like a mother sauce or how to make like, you know, like Coco Vaughn or something. You know, it's like, that's very much my own thing. So one shouldn't expect you to want to learn all those things or to care about those things if they're not as important to you as they are to me. I love food and like, I love all sorts of food, but yes, I mean, in terms of like culinary school, I'd probably be a disaster because vegetarian yeah. you know yeah. what I mean? uh, and then i feel like in the history of food meat is so privileged um yes. that i feel like yes i mean yes certain techniques would not be be or i would not necessarily be but but i i love what the dirt candy chef did i mean i think that's really interesting i mean to 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 really invest in again all these histories and then just kind of update them in a vegetarian way yeah well even the dish you you loved last night the chicken the carrot bolognese i would imagine they were trying to replicate like a meat bolognese so they must have studied like the texture and the, oh yeah and like, i mean the rest yeah. of meat so like i yeah. think yeah i mean i'm sure the chef has like a real mastery of well i mean clear I, the dish was fucking amazing but yes yeah. that is actually an excellent example and it was so delicious it's not just like oh the poor vegetarian like ryan had the same thing and it was he loved it so is there something you've had in new orleans that is is just happens to not have meat in it that you've eaten like for example like beignets or something where like you've had your mind blown just to experience that or is there not is there some is it hard to think of something no i mean honey i love a beignet <laughs> i know that that's like maybe that's basic of me but like i do beignets are i mean they're just they're basically fucking donuts i mean it's uh, delicious um but yeah, so those are good. But I also, I mean, I loved going to uh, Turkey and the Wolf. Oh, I haven't gone there yet. Yeah. Which also has a, uh, speaking of vegetarians done right in New Orleans, has a vegan chicken sandwich with vegan chicken tenders. But it is mm. just so 
Oh, honey. I mean, Turkey and the Wolf, they do like sandwiches. I mean, wait, did you go there yet? This trip? We tried to go there yesterday and it was closed. Uh, what? They were going to open on Tuesday. So we're going to make, I think I'll go tomorrow now that you mention it. But yeah, don't they also have a, men- a sandwich there? It's like collard greens with melted Swiss cheese and like cherry pickled cherry peppers or something that was what oh, i was gonna say i mean the, i mean everything there is fucking the crinkle fries it's like it's like elevated trash sandwiches mm-hmm. and it is just like oh my god so so fucking good and they have their own soft serve that they make there which is wow. awesome. oh my god okay um, i'm got, definitely gonna go tomorrow god. it's like sandwich soft serve goodness but done in like a very chic elevated way that still satisfies your internal craving for like a just like a chubby sandwich you know what i mean like <laughs> like fancy. a what sandwich cheap and sweaty like like uh, like okay. like, yeah. like like i don't know like it's just like it's like messy and like yeah. a little bit trashy but also chic I don't, I don't know how to you know yeah that sounds so good I, we, we watched a little video on on youtube before I, sometimes like i'll just like load up random things so i just like typed in turkey and the wolf because i knew we were going there and bon appetit did a feature on them so that we, i watched that bon appetit they were the best restaurant in america yeah they did i think so Which They've done feels that. a little yeah. like like a bon appetit like troll it like it feels yeah it's really good. I don't know if it's the best restaurant in America. Question. Yeah. Like I felt like a little bit of like yeah. a like a provocation. Like we're gonna choose a sandwich restaurant. Oh yeah, they do that That's stuff all the time. And all, oftentimes, like it really hurts the restaurant. When Bill Addison was just oh, really? on my podcast, we were talking about. Um, I think I went there with you guys, but I'm totally blanking on the name. But like there was a restaurant in downtown LA. Maybe it was before I knew you guys. But like it got named the best restaurant in America and the restaurant just couldn't handle it. It was like a tiny little restaurant and people were coming from far and wide to eat there. And the, the chef was young and he was new and he just was like overwhelmed. And it just, I think it closed. Oh, no. yeah. yeah. So be careful what you wish for. Uh, well, Jonathan, we're almost done with this little mini Thursday podcast. But before we go, I wanted to pivot for a second and yes. talk to you because the last time you were on the podcast, we talked a little bit about you tiptoeing into the world of cooking mm, and yes. recently you've been cooking more and more. So can you talk a little bit about what you've been making? Yes, I can. I, the other day made, um, uh, eggplant Parmesan, mm-hmm. which was delicious. And, you bake the eggplant instead of frying it. I mean, it's still like filled with cheese and olive oil, but I like to yeah. think that it's healthy. Um, uh-huh. Bake the eggplant instead of frying it with like olive oil, salt, pepper. Um, and you toast the breadcrumbs and mm-hmm. then again in olive oil um, right. pepper, and then sprinkle them on. So it's not like deep fried eggplant, but mm-hmm. it's delicious. And I was telling you the other day, I'm finally getting the concept of like developing flavors because for mm-hmm. the egg farm, you make your own um, tomato sauce essentially. Uh-huh. And you, uh, I don't, I've never quite, I've always been like, I mean, like I told you, I, I've always been like a follow the recipe, like to a T type of mm-hmm. 
uh, person. And then usually I can trust that it's going to come out pretty good. But like for the first time I was like, cause I watched the video that went with the, with the recipe and just like, she was just like throwing in salt and kind of like not measuring it at all. And I was like, okay, well if she can like, yeah, I could probably too. Like I would still measure, but then I was like, okay, I'll taste it. Oh, this kitty needles more salt, or uh, yeah. I, so I don't know. I got the sense, and then you see how the flavors develop over time. I did a soup mm-hmm. recently as well, where it was the same thing. But it was really like when Ryan was home. I made a big ZD too. Ryan was home from shooting for like the two week Christmas break, and right before he left to come back to New Orleans did like two nights of cooking and made homemade cookies as well. I just, got, I just got into the groove. Yes. Cause it's well, satisfying when it's like, you're doing something for someone else. And it is like also like a task that you can complete in an afternoon and feel very accomplished. Whereas like I am a novelist. So I'm currently working on projects that take fucking years. Do you yeah, know what I mean? So like yeah. it's lovely to just have a project that takes an afternoon and you have a gorgeous little meal at the end of your moment and you can share it with people you love and adore. And I've always felt this is like a book I want to write someday that there's a link between the skills you learn about cooking as you cook and the skills that are required to write in terms of like letting something develop, like letting something take its time, like letting it breathe, like not rushing it. Like, I feel like that, those were all things I needed to learn about writing, but I had to, I learned them in the kitchen before I learned them at the word processor. Well, yes. This is a good essay. Cooking as a Thank you. Yeah. I, I was going to call it, I think I was going to call it, um, oh, I forget what I was going to call it, but it's, it's a really good idea. So I'm going to write that someday. You should. <laughs> well, Jonathan, I'm going to stomp on the floor and thank you uh, for <laughs> being on this uh, little podcast. And we will see you downstairs, perhaps, for a happy hour drink. I'll see you there, honey. 6.15? 6.15. All right. Well, thanks again. And uh, okay. I'll see you later. Bye. All right. Bye.